one of the first times I talked to Judy Berry on the phone, and I had never met her, I said, Judy, you know, the earth is not dying. It's being killed. And the people who are killing it have names and addresses. What I mean by that is through power structure research, through hunting very carefully, we can find out the names and addresses of the people who really have their foot on our necks, the people who are really causing the damage. And then nonviolently, my vision, my dream is that thousands, thousands, millions of people go to those homes, go to the places where they shop, go to the places where they take their vacation, sit in the doorways, lie in front of the cars, and when they're hauled away to jail, other people take their place. Surround them, put them in jail. Oh yes, I know it's an air-conditioned jail and the food's pretty good, but they're in lager, they're surrounded, like, it, like in uh, Montreal, um, like at Genoa. They're behind the barbed wire, they're behind the concrete. We've got them in prison, we've got to understand that they're afraid of us, all right? Let's make sure that they can't enjoy their ill-gotten gain. Welcome to Names and Addresses, a new podcast unmasking corporate malfeasance. You can find us at namesandaddresses.org. You can send us an email at namesandaddressesshow at gmail.com or follow on Twitter, names underscore addresses. And this is a brief preview episode. I had a pretty good story that I recorded on my other podcast, Bernie 2020, and I thought it would be a good story to share with all of you, kind of an inaugural idea of the kind of thing we will be covering on this podcast, basically anywhere where the, the, the corporate robber barons are destroying the earth, society, and the economy, all for, as Utah Phillips puts it, the sake of a lousy buck. So here is a little taste of what's to come. Next piece is from ProPublica.org and written by Jeff Earns Thousand and Justin Elliott. One Trump tax cut was meant to help the poor. Only one. Must have been an accident. A billionaire ended up winning big. Surprise, surprise, because it was never really intended to help the poor. Or maybe it had a, a veneer, like the last story, those uh, fascists use a veneer of environmentalism to obscure their fascism. This particular tax cut had a veneer of helping the poor, but in effect is a giveaway to the already wealthy. Under a six-lane span of freeway leading into downtown Baltimore sit what may be the most valuable parking spaces in America. Lying near a development project controlled by Under Armour's billionaire CEO, Kevin Plank, one of Maryland's richest men, and Goldman Sachs, the little sliver of land, will allow Plank and the other investors to claim what could amount to millions in tax breaks for the project known as Port Covington. They have President Donald Trump's 2017 tax overhaul law to thank. The new law has a provision meant to spur investment into underdeveloped areas called, quote, opportunity zones. Yeah, we know who the opportunity is for. The opportunity is for the corporations. 
The idea is to grant lucrative tax breaks to encourage new investment in poor areas around the country, carefully selected by each state's governor. But Port Covington, an ambitious development geared to millennials to, geared to, millennials to feature offices, a hotel, apartments, and shopping, is not in a census tract that is poor. It's not a new investment. And the census tract only became eligible to become an opportunity zone thanks to a mapping error. I doubt it was an error. As the selection process was underway, a deputy chief of staff to Maryland's governor wrote in an email that, quote, Port Covington does not qualify as an opportunity zone. Maryland's governor chose the area for the program anyway after his aides met with the lobbyists for Plank, who owns about 40% of the zone. Quote, this is a classic example of a windfall benefit, said Robert Stoker, a George Washington University professor who has studied economic development in Baltimore for decades. Quote, a major investment was already planned and now is in a zone where they're going to qualify for all kinds of beneficial tax treatment. This is a kind of bullshit that makes me really angry. And it's a kind of bullshit that happens all the time every day with these these supposed tax breaks going to major corporations half of the time to do what they were going to do anyway. New Jersey promised uh, $11 billion in tax breaks to corporations to remain or come to different areas in New Jersey. They paid out $3.8 billion they cried and, and whined and screamed when a, a stinking billionaire moved himself and his business out of the state, costing the state $100 million, 100, 140 or so million dollars a year in his taxes and com his company's taxes. But they think giving $3.8 billion to uh, rich corporations is a good deal and a worthwhile program. Well, actually, not everyone thinks it's a worthwhile program. Those programs have expired, and though many are trying to get those back on the books, uh, there's there's pressure to not continue them. In selecting Port Covington, the governor had to exclude another Maryland community from the Opportunity Zone program. In Baltimore, for example, the governor dropped part of a neighborhood that city officials recommended for the program. Brooklyn, with a median family income one-fifth that of Port Covington. Brooklyn sits just across the Patapsco River from Port Covington, in an area that suffers from one of the highest drug and alcohol death rates in Baltimore, which in turn has one of the highest drug fatality rates nationwide. In a statement, Mark Weller, a developer who is Plank's partner in the project, defended the Opportunity Zone designation, quote, Port Covington being part of an Opportunity Zone will attract more investors, foster more economic growth neglected in, an, in a neglected area of the city, and directly benefit all the surrounding communities for decades to come. Yeah, but it would have anyway. You were already planning it. You were already going to build it. The only reason this will attract more investors is because it's going to cut your costs significantly, and it's going to give you bigger profits. And it's going to be no additional benefit at all than the project that was already conceived. Asshole.
An official in the administration of Maryland's Republican Governor Larry Hogan said, quote, the success of that project is really going to go a long way to providing benefits for the whole city of Baltimore. The official added, the governor is a huge supporter of the development. A spokesperson for the state's Department of Housing and Community Development, which was involved in the selection process, said that, quote, due to the time limits of the federal tax incentive, the state of Maryland did purposefully select census tracts where projects were beginning to increase the odds of attracting additional private sector investment to Maryland's opportunity zones in the near term. In other words, they chose areas that were already um, targeted for development without the extra tax breaks, which are not the places that need the extra development. The birth of a new tax break. In December 2017, Trump signed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Lies. Although the, the names of a lot of bills are lies. His signature legislative achievement, much criticized as a giveaway to the rich, the law includes one headline provision that backers promised would help the poor. Opportunity zones. Supporters of the program argued it would unleash economic development in otherwise overlooked communities. Quote, our goal is to rebuild homes, schools, businesses, and communities that need it most. Trump declared at a recent event, adding, quote, To revitalize these areas, we've lowered the capital gains tax for long-term investment in opportunity zones all the way down from all the way down to a very big, fat, beautiful number of zero. The provision has bipartisan support. Quote, these cities are gold mines, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, a 2020 presidential hopeful and Maine Democratic architect of the program, told real estate investors in October. They're domestic emerging markets that are more exciting than anything you'll see overseas. There's Cory Booker again giving away our dollars to the corporations. Here's how the program works. Say you're a hedge fund manager. You purchased Google stock years ago and are sitting on a billion dollars in gains. If you sell, you'd send the IRS about $240 million, a lot less than ordinary income tax, which also makes me irate. Capital gains tax should be higher than earned income tax. Why the hell should somebody work their ass off, and pay a higher rate of taxes on money they earn than someone who sits on their ass throws their money somewhere and it makes money for them. It's ludicrous. If it's not an equal amount of tax being paid, then the person sitting on their ass not doing a, a lick of hard work should be paying a higher rate. The capital gains tax rate should be double the earned tax rate. To avoid paying that much, the $240 million on a billion dollars in gains, You can sell the shares and put the billion dollars into an opportunity zone. That comes with three generous breaks. The first is that you defer the $240 million in capital gains tax, allowing you to invest more money up front. But if that's not enough for you, you can hold the investment for several years and you'll get a significant reduction in those taxes. What's more, any additional gains from the new investment are tax-free after 10 years. Here's how rich people don't pay taxes because they get the tax laws written so they can play with their money that they didn't work their asses off for. 
and they can avoid paying taxes, guess who gets screwed? Everyone who relies on, is dependent on, any expenditure made by the federal government. It's impossible to predict how much the tax break will be worth to individual investors because it depends on several variables, not least whether the underlying project gains in value. But one investment pitch projected 10-year returns would jump to 91% from 29% on a hypothetical million-dollar investment. That includes $284,000 in tax breaks, money the federal government would have collected from taxpayers with capital gains, but for the program and money that federal government could have invested in the poor community that this whole boondoggle is supposedly, that veneer is supposedly set up to improve. The tax code already favored real estate developers like Trump and his overhaul made it even friendlier. Investors can put money into a range of projects and opportunity zones, but so far most of the publicly announced deals are in real estate. The tax break has led to a marketing boom, with Wall Street pitching investors to raise funds to invest in the zones. Critics argue that the program is flawed, pointing out that there's no guarantee that the capital investment will help community residents, that the selection process was vulnerable to outside influence, and that it could be a giveaway for projects that were going to happen anyway. In a case in Chicago uncovered by The Real Deal, Two tracks already slated for a major development project were selected by the governor as opportunity zones, even though city officials hadn't initially recommended them. Under the new law, areas of the country deemed to be low-income communities would be eligible to be named opportunity zones. The Treasury, Department's un the Treasury Department determined which census tracts qualified, then governors of each state could select one quarter of those tracts to get the tax benefit. That governor prerogative turned out to be very useful to Kevin Plank. Plank's dream. In 2012, Plank connected entities quietly began buying up waterfront property on a largely vacant and isolated peninsula south of downtown Baltimore, often using shell companies to shield the identity of the true buyer. They ultimately spent more than $100 million acquiring much of the peninsula. Plank's privately held Sagamore development now controls roughly 40% of the area that would later be named an Opportunity Zone. In early 2015, more than two and a half years before Trump's tax law passed, Plank revealed himself as the money behind the purchases. He planned a new development and headquarters for Under Armour, the sports apparel company he started after coming up with the idea as a University of Maryland football player. Today, Under Armour employs 15,000 people. Plank has a net worth of around $2 billion. Though the Port Covington area was cut off from downtown by I-95, Plank said he likes the location because of the visibility. Quote, when people drive through Baltimore on I-95, I literally want them to drive through and go, there's Baltimore on the right, there's Under Armour on the left, he told the Baltimore Sun. A year later, Plank's firm took his vision to the general public, running TV and print ads touting the new project. One of the ads, reminiscent of the Democratic presidential primary spots airing at the time, was filled with a diverse cast sharing their dreams for a new city within a city. 
We will build it together, the ad begins, before running through a glittering digital rendering of contemporary urban design features, office towers, shops, transits, parks, jobs, all of it to be anchored by a new world headquarters of the city's most visible brand name, Under Armour. Sagamore would, be spear Sagamore would spearhead the project and sell land to others who would build businesses and housing. Even before qualifying for the Opportunity Zone break, taxpayers were going to subsidize the development. Days after the ads touting togetherness, Plank proposed that the city float $660 million in bonds to help build what the company has said would be a $5.5 billion development. Opponents contended Plank's proposal amounted to corporate welfare that would exacerbate the city's stark economic and racial divides. But the company agreed to provide millions of dollars to the city and a group of nearby low-income neighborhoods to gain support for the project, and the city council passed the measure that fall. Etc. Etc. It, this goes on to talk some more about the Port Covington and the plans that has gone through so far and the breaks after breaks that it has attained. And I'll let you read the rest if you so choose. Once again, that was from ProPublica.org, written by Jeff Ernsthausen and Justin Elliott. And that will wrap up this brief inaugural episode of Names and Addresses. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter at names underscore addresses. You can send us an email at namesandaddressesshow at gmail.com. Or you can check out the website namesandaddresses.org. Thanks for listening. I talked to Judy Barry on the phone and I had never met her. I said, Judy, you know, the earth is not dying. It's being killed. And the people who are killing it have names and addresses. Mm -hmm.